0: Don't worry, love. The garden looks beautiful, Sophie's boyfriend said, as they sat, sipping cocktails as the trees hung over them. Tomorrow, they were going for a week to a small town in Mallorca called Calvia, and they couldn't wait. Everything was so stressful, even the garden. The plants had died. It had been too hot. The leaves of the trees... "'had horribly curled, and they were teeming with aphids. "'I don't know what to do, Patrick,' Sophie whispered, "'taking her fiancé's hand. "'They're ruining my plants!' "'A smile played upon his lips as Patrick pointed to the branch above Sophie's head. "'Darling,' he said, "'look, they won't ruin them for much longer.' See yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, a podcast about ladybirds and ladybugs around the world. I'm your host, Rachel. This week, I've got a promo for Brian Ruckley's show, The Wild Episode. And if you've not listened before, it is one of the best nature podcasts I've ever listened to. And I think he can say it better than I can put it into words. So I'll play this promo for you and let him describe the show And please do subscribe if you're interested, and I'm sure you will be. Hello, I'm Brian Ruckley, and if you enjoy this podcast, I reckon there's a decent chance you'll enjoy the one I put out, the Wild episode. It's all about the most amazing animals in the world, their natural history, what science can tell us about their lives, and sometimes the human history that connects us to them too. Everything from tortoises that went into space to bats that hunt birds, from the shark that eats grass to the colossal squid. It's a chance to immerse yourself in the wonders and curiosities of the animal kingdom, and you can find it at thewildepisode.com or by searching for The Wild Episode in your podcast app of choice. It'd be great to have you join me for the journey of discovery that is the wild episode. Welcome back. If you're ready, let's get started with today's ladybird. Have you ever heard of a ladybird that is brown with white spots? So as it turns out, there are three ladybirds in the UK that kind of fit this description, as far as the white spots go anyway. And today, we're going to talk about one of them. Calvia quataldesim the cream spot ladybird. Other names include chocolate lady beetles, which has been suggested in Iran. In some languages, such as French, Spanish, Russian and Lithuanian, to name a few, this ladybird is known as a 14-spot ladybird, which fits with the Latin name and makes sense, given its neat rows of seven spots on each side, adding up to 14. Quattro means 14 marked or 14 spotted. As I hinted in the intro... Calvia is actually a town in Majorca, about 60 miles from Magaluf, which is a major party town in Majorca. And the word Calvia itself, giving rise to the name of the town, originally came from the Latin calus, meaning to burn or be hot. There is also a Roman courtier called Calvia Crispinilla, who was a favourite of King Nero. Calvia was known as the mistress of the imperial wardrobe and stamps and coins have been found bearing her name. And I don't really know why the ladybird has the name Calvia. It might be because it might be a reason to party if you see a cream spot ladybird eating aphids on your plants, or perhaps the mahogany brown of the classic form of the ladybird gives it an upper-class, aristocratic look. The cream spot ladybird has been introduced to North America, but it is native to Europe and Asia, including the Middle East, and as far east as Sakhalin Island in Russia. In Western Europe, and in most of its native range, the cream spot ladybird is a brown or chocolate coloured and has neat rows of cream or white spots going along its back in horizontal lines. Its entire body is brown, including the legs and antennae, with a couple of white or cream spots on its pronotum. Sometimes the ladybird is very dark brown, almost black, and sometimes there are dark rings around the spots. It is quite a beautiful ladybird, between 4 and 6 millimetres long. The smaller ones are slightly bigger than a 14 spot, but the bigger ones are about the same size as a small 7 spot. So basically between 4 and 6 millimetres long. But if you go to some of the places in North America where the ladybird has been introduced for biological control, or if you go to some parts of Central Asia and parts of Russia, you might find the ladybird in several different colour forms. But it's not really like that in many other places. In this case, the polymorphic versions can range from yellow to almost pink. And it's so polymorphic, it almost looks like a different ladybird. And according to one study I read, this polymorphism is highly influenced by the temperature. So, depending on what, whether it's exposed to very cold or very warm temperatures or sort of variations, it can come out in a different colour form. There is even a black form with two red spots on each elytron. You can also find the typical cream spot of the ladybird with several different shades of brown. And I'll stick a link in the show notes because it is quite incredible. Especially because in the UK, this is a very unvaried ladybird. In fact, it's one of the least variable ladybirds you can get. The underside is usually dark brown or black, with a large reddish border around the abdominal segments, and the ladybird has got reddish brown legs. So, interestingly, there have been a few different colour forms showing up in the UK recently. One had white spots, but was otherwise black rather than brown, another one had merged spots. So recently, I found a cream spot with unusually large and somewhat irregular white spots. And if you found one like this, then I'd quite like to know. So please get in touch. The larva, on the other hand, doesn't vary at all between forms or between regions. It's a dark grey or black colour with large pale spines on each of its abdominal segments and a cream pattern on the thorax and on the top part of the abdomen. The pupa is a pale brown or beige colour with brown edging going down the sides and pale lines on each side and I'll stick a link in the show notes to that too. The colour of the pupa doesn't really vary between North America and the rest of the ladybird's range. From time to time you might get a darker or lighter one especially when it's just shed its skin but that's about it. So as I said there are actually three different types of ladybirds with white spots in the UK and a couple of closely related species in the Channel Islands and on mainland Europe, including one called Calvia quindescent which is very rare, not found in the UK, but it has 15 spots instead of 14. And in Jersey, you find a 10-spotted Calvia ladybird but you will not find the cream spot. So if you're from Jersey and you've seen one, then please get in touch. Another one that you might be quite likely to come across is the orange ladybird, Halesia sedesum gatata. And in this case, the ladybird is a lot more orangey, with a more obvious sort of yellowy line down the elytra, and the pronotum is see-through, like a sort of PPE or face shield, it kind of looks like. The spots on the orange ladybird are a lot messier rather than neat rows of the cream spot. The orange ladybird is also slightly bigger. The other ladybird you might see is the 18 spot ladybird. This one has a rounded white or pale grey M marking on its pronotum. It's usually only found in conifers, especially Scots pine trees. There are two merged spots on each side at the top of the ladybird's elytra and the spots are a very different pattern. Than the cream spot and the cream spot is rounder and is also generally larger as well the eggs show another interesting characteristic of the cream spot ladybird so cream spot eggs have got a small red spot on the top which would almost be too small to see with a naked eye otherwise they look like usual ladybird eggs with a yellowy orange color probably slightly darker than that of the seven spot but laid in clutches just as the seven spots are. And they are covered with a coating, which does offer some protection from predators. A study in 2007 by Alexandra Magro found that when these coatings were removed with a substance called hexane, the eggs became significantly more vulnerable to being attacked by harlequin ladybird larvae. However, even when the coatings were removed, the eggs were almost always only partially eaten rather than being completely eaten. The red substance on the cream spot eggs is soluble in water and is thought to be a type of acid. And the egg surface also includes alkenes and hydrocarbons, all of which makes them a very unappealing prospect for predators. A study in Russia found that cream spots lay between 6 and 21 eggs in a single clutch, and that there's no real difference between pear trees and apple trees in the number of eggs that are laid by each ladybird. If another ladybird has tried to eat one of the eggs and found it distasteful, this protects the other 20 eggs or however many it is. This was backed up by a study in 2013 on intraguild predation. Intraguild predation is uh, predation by organisms that are in the same level in the food chain. So rather than ladybirds eating aphids, eating plants, it's ladybirds eating one another because they're all on the same level in the food chain. And this study found that out of the 11 native species examined, only the cream spot and the eye ladybird were more likely to attack and therefore eat harlequin ladybird larvae than the other way around. First in style harlequin larvae tried to eat cream spot eggs in only 40% of cases rather than 80% in the case of the two spot or the seven spot for instance. The harlequin ladybirds only ate the entire cream spot egg in 3.3% of cases so usually they might like have a sniff around or take a bite and that would be it and they probably wouldn't even try and do that. And what's more, the cream spots frequently turned the tables on the harlequins, especially during the first instar or larval stage where harlequins were eaten five times and the cream spots weren't eaten at all. Unfortunately, by the time the ladybirds got to the fourth or final instar before becoming a pupa, the scales had balanced out somewhat with 15 cream spots being eaten by harlequins and only five harlequins being eaten by cream spots. And it makes sense because it is a smaller ladybird and they might not be able to grab a whole harlequin larvae by themselves, which can get pretty massive, but it is somewhat sad. And I want to say this. Another reason why the harlequin might affect the number of cream spots negatively isn't just because of eating the cream spots eggs. It's because the harlequin is so good of a predator and it breeds so frequently that there is much less food available for the cream spots, no matter how good they are at avoiding being eaten themselves. Resource competition is a major problem, and it's been discovered that cream spots have undergone a significant reduction in their range since the arrival of the harlequin ladybird. It is quite normal for native ladybirds to eat each other's eggs from time to time, and even partake in the odd bit of cannibalism, although this isn't actually their main food source. But when additional pressure comes in the form of the harlequin ladybird, this could also exert another strain on the numbers. However, the cream spot also occurs in the harlequin ladybird's native habitat and therefore has evolved alongside it and presumably evolved to defend itself in certain respects. But if you get a lot of harlequin ladybirds suddenly flooding an area, that's going to mean it's difficult for the cream spots to cope. So let's get back to the cream spot. The ladybird is generally found on deciduous trees, especially fruit trees, but it can be found in other places where it's often very well camouflaged and hard to see. As we heard in episode 47, cream spot ladybirds are often found in cemeteries and on gravestones in winter. You often find these ladybirds in woodlands and hedgerows. They like fruit trees such as apple trees and also hawthorn trees. As well as gravestones and other raised surfaces, They also overwinter in bark crevices, beech nuts and leaf litter. Interestingly enough, the chemicals found in the cream spot ladybird's reflex blood, what the ladybird produces if it is under threat, has been investigated as the basis for a possible new pesticide against locusts. Locusts are a devastating threat in Africa, the Middle East and parts of Asia, where a swarm of locusts can devastate a field or even a group of fields within hours or even minutes. It's been found that the chemicals from the cream spot ladybird can affect locust cells without having a great impact on human cells. However, the chemicals which performed the best in terms of targeting locusts were the 7 spot and surprisingly the 10 spot which isn't really known as being that unpalatable for predators such as birds. And as far as I know, 10 spots aren't very common in areas where locusts are a significant threat. So that's quite interesting. And I don't usually endorse the use of pesticides, but if it's organic and they can get it so that it targets locusts, which are a serious problem, then maybe that's okay. I don't know. Get in touch and tell me what you think. The cream spot ladybird has a unique set of chemicals in its reflex blood known as peperidines. I think that's how you say it. Peperidines, peperidines, I don't know. When a cream spot ladybird is disturbed, its reflex blood is more of an orangey red colour than in other ladybirds, such as the seven spot, whose blood is usually yellow. Now, I want to share with you another interesting fact um, a little bit of a content warning. This does discuss reproduction, so uh, listen at your discretion, please. Unfortunately, ladybirds are susceptible to a sexually transmitted mite called Coxopolypus hippodamiae, plus several similar mites, including a new one that was found quite recently. A study in 2004 showed that coxopolypus hippodamiae was found on 4 out of 19 common European ladybird species looked at in the study. The most affected ladybird was the 2-spot, but these mites were also found on the 10-spot, the ladybird Oronopia conglobata, which isn't found in the UK but has been discussed in previous episodes, and the cream spot. But they were found on the cream spot in a much lower frequency. It's thought that the two-spot was most seriously affected because these ladybirds, two-spot ladybirds, have more sex with more different partners, leading to an increased risk of becoming the unwilling hosts of these mites. These mites affect the ladybird's fertility in a negative way. But because so few cream spots do actually carry these mites and are affected, the effects they have on their health or fertility or otherwise is not really known as the scientists couldn't really do a proper sample as they didn't find enough cream spots with these mite being carried. So why is this? It's because before a cream spot ladybird can breed, it needs to go through a diapause or a period of overwintering, leading to reduced opportunities for mating. This means that the numbers can fluctuate and there is a lack of consistent sexual activity between the generations. So they can't really transmit their mites from, from ladybird to ladybird like year on year. But before you think that I'm slut-shaming two-spot ladybirds in some way, it's thought that the reason why the cream spots are affected at all is because of hybrid mating between them and other species of ladybirds. In other words, ladybirds of different species are trying to mate with cream spots, leading to this problem with STDs. So I don't really know what's going on there and why different ladybirds want to get a slice of the cream spot action, but okay. So now we come to the part of the show where I tell you what the cream spot ladybird eats. And I'm sure that the answer will come as no surprise at all. I've already mentioned that they can eat harlequin ladybird eggs and even larvae. Although this wouldn't be its number one choice of food source. But if you've listened to the show long enough, you can probably guess by now. Yep, this ladybird eats aphids. But in a study in Poland in 2019, it was found that the cream spot ladybird had the second most diverse diet of all of the species studied. And they looked at four, whereas the most diverse diet was from the ladybird Sospita Vigintigatata, which was very surprising because this ladybird is very rare and has a very restricted habitat. Cream spot ladybirds eat a wide array of aphids, including significant pests of fruit trees, and therefore are very agriculturally important, especially sort of on orchards or kind of like apple tree farms or anywhere like that. Cream spot ladybirds is something you really want to have. They also eat plant lice or psyllids. They are these like kind of like little jumping things that you sometimes see. They're pretty tiny. They also eat thrips. However, unlike the seven spot or the pine ladybird, they don't generally eat scale insects. But when their preferred aphids are scarce, they can adapt and eat species of aphids they don't usually eat. So that was the cream spot ladybird. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like this show and want to support me, you can buy me a coffee at www.co-fee.com slash hwabpodcast You can like my Facebook page Hidden Wings and Bloodlust Follow me on Twitter at hwabpodcast or on Instagram at 365.ladybird You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show why not leave me a review it would make the world of difference to me. Music at the start of the show is by Deborah Torrance. All my sources are listed in the show notes. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.